is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I've been warning over and over again, particularly those people who don't like Donald Trump, that the war on America by the Democrat Party that hates his country is not just focused on Donald Trump. Of course they want to destroy Donald Trump. They want to make an example out of him. But they want to make an example out of all of you. All of you. Did you see where the special so-called Georgia grand jury recommended indicting Senators Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, and Kelly Loeffler? Did you see that? This is a big story. Now, they weren't indicted, but they could have easily been indicted. That case in Georgia, that would have meant that 22 people indicted, all Republicans, federal Republicans, state Republicans, local Republicans, for the crime of vigorously trying to win the election in 2020. None of those people committed a single offense. Not one. Fake electors. They're not fake electors. Our history tells us what was done. In a close election, you have a party. In a close election, you have a party that's behind by a few thousand votes, and that's all it was. And that's all it was. Sending their own electors. You want to know why? Because if they don't send their own electors, and they win, and they win, they have no electors to be counted. These people recommended the indictment of Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, and Kelly Loeffler. The latter two were senators at the time, and of course, Lindsey Graham is a senator. The panel urged Fulton County DA Fannie Willis to indict them. 
According to its 28-page report, Willis, an elected Democrat, indicted Trump and 18 alleged co-conspirators on 1814 on charges including racketeering. Wow, that sounds really bad. It's crap. This is what prosecutors do. This is a law that was exclusively intended to use against mobsters and gangsters. Look how it's completely out of control. Graham testified to the grand jury in November last year about his actions following the 2020 election. Grand jurors voted 13 to 7 in favor of indicting the four-term senator, according to the grand jury report. Graham apparently was in the panel's crosshairs because of his post-election outreach to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Oh, that's right. You're not allowed to talk to the Georgia Secretary of State to try and persuade him maybe to count the votes in another county that may not have been counted or anything else. Who do you think you are talking to the Secretary of State? You believe that? These are all commonplace, routine activities in the course of an election. All of them. That's why this investigative grand jury, and that's why Fannie Willis indicted so many Republicans. They weren't caught doing anything wrong. They were doing everything Republicans do and Democrats do and others do in elections. Graham said Friday, and he was invited on this show, and he didn't reply. I had questions, as many did, about how the mail ballot process worked in Georgia and other locations. I did my due diligence at the end of the day. I voted to certify the election results from every state, including Georgia. It should never be a crime for a federal elected official, particularly the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, who have to vote to certify a president election to question and ensure the integrity of that election. No, no, of course it needs to be. More jurors voted to charge Leffler and Purdue senators then, both of whom narrowly lost re-election. Panel members voted 14 to 6 to indict Loeffler and 17 to 4 in favor of charging Purdue. This is what you get in Democrat cities, America. This is what you get. Sickening. Sick to your stomach over this. Willis may have opted against indicting the pro-Trump senators because the grand jury breakdown indicated difficulty winning a conviction at trial. Yeah, it might be tough to win a conviction at trial. Grand jurors voted 20 to 1 in favor of indicting each General Flynn, Boris Epstein, top advisor to the president, Lynn Wood, Raising questions about Willis's decision not to charge them. Wow, why didn't she charge them too? Of course she should have. More the merrier. Makes it harder for each one of them to defend themselves. Wrap them all together in a RICO charge. Now what does this demonstrate? Several things. When you criminalize politics, this is what you get. And I hear people say... The Democrats don't know what they're doing here because the Republicans will respond. They'll do this one day. No, they won't. They'll never do it. They're too friggin' gutless. There's not a DA in America that will take this disgusting, Stalinist indictment and all these charges and apply it anywhere in a Republican area in the nation. 
Not one has. How many state attorneys general have stepped in who are Republicans? Not one. And they're not going to. In fact, we have candidates running for the Republican nomination for president, specifically, but not exclusively, Chris Christie, who says Donald Trump can't run for president, he'll be too busy in courthouses. Chris Christie is actually using the Democrat war on the Constitution, on the electoral system, on the republic. He's actually trying to exploit it for your votes. The fact that the Democrats are interfering in this election in a thousand different ways is to Chris Christie an opportunity. An opportunity to separate himself from the pack. To separate himself from the pack. Now, what do you think the founders of the country would say about all this? You think they'd say this is the way it's supposed to work? Now, when we have this Constitution, when it was adopted and ratified, as I've told you many times before, there was no Department of Justice. Department of Justice was instituted under Ulysses S. Grant. There were 93 U.S. attorneys. Federal judges did not have the power that they have today. States had no power to indict federal officials. None. None whatsoever. And they didn't. This is a war on the country, and this is a war on the republic. There is no question that Fannie Willis colluded with Jack Smith in Washington. There's no question that Judge Tanya Chunkin colluded with the Democrat Party hack judge in the Manhattan case when she was setting the date for the trial. And by the way, the first 18 minutes or so of Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, my opening statement is a brutal takedown of that judge. Brutal takedown of Tanya Chunkin and her violations of the Judicial Code, the Judicial Code of Conduct, her violations of the Sixth Amendment as well as the Fifth Amendment, denying due process and the effective representation of counsel to Trump. And I'm going to give you examples why, not just allegations. You're going to learn about three memos. Identical memos. They were written by three separate attorneys general. Michael Mukasey, Republican. Eric Holder, Democrat. Loretta Lynch, Democrat. All of which directed federal prosecutors to make 100% certain they don't interfere in campaigns and elections. With the timing of indictments and investigations. 
I guess that doesn't apply to Donald Trump or to any Republican at this point. We have in the Constitution what's called a right to a speedy trial. That right doesn't exist for the convenience of the judge. That right doesn't exist for the convenience of the prosecutor at the Department of Justice. It's in the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Your Rights. That exists because the framers remember the days when they were colonists and the crown, the crown would throw them in prison for years without any trial, even without a charge. Well, this Judge Chunkin says that we need to have a speedy trial because the public deserves it. When this judge picks March, 20, uh, March 4th, after consulting with the judge in Manhattan, so already drew a conclusion she didn't need a hearing, the day before the Republican Super Tuesday elections, she sought to do maximum damage. When this judge, Chunkin, jumped the line, she was the second federal case to undermine the scheduling and the trial date of the first federal case with Judge Cannon in Florida. She did so purposely. Why? Why? First of all, defense counsel would not have time to go through 12.8 million pages of documents in five months. That's never happened in federal charging history. Department of Justice couldn't even come up with a single example in relatively minor cases. You also hear from David Schoen, this fantastic civil rights and criminal defense attorney, who others are now using, but used to be on my show. He'll be on it again. That he has a case in front of a trunk, Mr. Producer, that's been sitting there for three years. Three years. But she's in a hurry now. Because she wants this phony Washington, D.C. jury made up almost exclusively of Trump-hating Democrats to convict Trump at least on one charge. So Chris Christie and the Rhinos and Wall Street Journal editorial page, Andy McCarthy and National Review and the others, they can go on and on and tell us that Trump is now a convicted felon running for president. We can't have that. They play into the the worst that's taking place into this country. Rather than standing up and condemning it. But it's not just Trump. It's Lindsey Graham, two former Republican senators. It's the Speaker of the House of Georgia. And the list goes on and on and on. Anything works. And the thing is about this judge in Washington, this federal judge... Chunkin, there are strong issues for appeal already. But not, not in every case, but most cases, you can't get them to the circuit court. So she knows by the time that's addressed, the election will be over. She's diabolical. She should not only not be on this case, she shouldn't be on the federal bench.
And wait till you hear my opening statement on Sunday. I've got a lot more to say about this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's an amazing thing. There's a guy that writes a book on Biden. For a day or two, it's a big flash in the pan. Our friends on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, the newspapers. And then it craters. Craters. The guy's written a book on Elon Musk. He's all over the Democrat Party media and same cable networks. His book comes out, I think, next week. They quote from the book, oh, wow, look at this. And Elon Musk did that, and Elon Musk did this. Same thing will happen. They're not deep books. They're just not. A lot of gossip in there. Writers spend a lot of time interviewing people. And history will never know that they were even written. I write these books, and thanks to you, they're incredibly popular. They get into very deep subjects. We look back, and so many of the things that were written about have happened today. And these same media platforms act like it doesn't even exist. Now, we don't need them. But that's how they act. I'll be back. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. 
Mark Levin doesn't just read the news, he makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I want you to listen to some of these people. Dick Cheney in a video message yesterday, who has disgraced himself over and over again, as has the rest of his family. And in the face of what you're seeing in this country, the rounding up of hundreds and hundreds of innocent supporters and protesters, throwing the book at them, putting them in prison, while leniency for violent criminals, violent left-wing Democrat Party militia. Dick Cheney hasn't said a word about it. This is what happens on the Republican side. He puts out a video message yesterday. Cut one, go. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies. All right, all right let's, let's, let, let, let's hold on a second. Isn't this the man who became vice president through litigation that occurred in 2000? He and his boss... George W. Bush, from whom we don't hear anything, thankfully. Um, won the election. Lost the popular vote, as others have, but won the election. The Electoral College vote because of Florida, where his brother was governor. The Supreme Court put an end to the counting, as that should have. So when Donald Trump says all these things took place as a result of the pandemic, the Democrat Party changed the voting rules, all the rules that were in place to ensure the integrity of the election in 2000 when George Bush and Dick Cheney were running for office, most of those rules don't even apply anymore. Most of them don't even apply anymore. It's amazing. Let's start at the top again. Go. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. There you go. There you go. And he's a coward. Really. It's a funny way of showing himself as a coward, doesn't he, America? But you look how the ruling class is all pulled together. This is the one thing that unites them. Not the threat to our liberty. Not the threat from illegal immigrants. The greatest threat is Donald Trump. Not Joe Biden. Not what Joe Biden has done to our cities, not the Democrat Party and what they've done to our, our safety, our communities. Not the critical race theory promoters, promoters and so forth. Not the Democrat Party that pushes all these communist agenda items. No, it's Donald Trump. And you see, as long as we have people like that, who are so completely obsessed and project 
their personal hatred. It's difficult to defeat these people. The ruling class is united. Chris Christie's part of the ruling class. Now you can be a governor. That doesn't mean you're part of the ruling class. The ruling class involves the rulers within the class that support each other, support their their agendas together. They may fight over it, but in the end, at the core, they agree with each other. They agree with each other. They have Joe Scarborough on the uh, Morning Schmo Show. Used to be one of Joe, excuse me, uh, Donald Trump's biggest fans. But Joe Scarborough has transitioned. He's transitioned. Genitalian all. So once he was a a loser, low IQ, Republican, now he's a loser, low IQ. I don't know what he is. Still transitioning, I guess. Cut to go. Claiming the mantle of Reagan conservatism when it's as far away from uh, from Reagan on certain views as, as humanly possible. I mean, you can take anywhere from immigration to trade and even guns yeah. at the end. I mean, it's it's uh, certainly Ukraine. So it's very interesting that that while they're not. Um, being specifically ideological on one point or another, uh, there is no doubt. Right, that that's because- Trump has not come out for Russia and Putin. Some Republicans have. He has not. Trump strengthened NATO. I think Reagan would have agreed with that. Under Trump, no president has supported Israel like he is, not even Reagan. In fact, no president has advanced peace in the Middle East like Reagan has, excuse me, like Trump has, not even Reagan. Nobody loves Ronald Reagan more than I, but Reagan was wrong about amnesty. Trump was right. When it comes to judges, Reagan and Trump agree. When it comes to Supreme Court justices, Reagan and Trump agree. I, th- I wonder what Reagan would have really thought. There's no question they're two different personalities altogether, Reagan and Trump. But I wonder what Reagan would have thought if he is running in 1980. And the Democrat Party did to the election process. In 1980. To what it did to it in 2020. I wonder what Reagan would have said then. The Democrat lawyers, the Democrat judges, the Democrat governors, the Democrat secretaries of state, changing all the rules, one state to another. I wonder what Reagan would have said. I wonder what he would have said about drop boxes and no signatures and no datings for absentee ballots. No witnesses. I wonder what Reagan would have said. What would Reagan have done with China via Taiwan? I think he would have done exactly the same thing that Trump would have done. Exactly. Reagan built up the military. Trump built up the military. 
And what would Reagan would have said in the face of Antifa and Black Lives Matter in the riots of 2020? We know he put them down on the campuses in California, and he actually authorized the use of the National Guard and live ammunition. Trump didn't do that. Maybe he should have, but he didn't. Just to point out some of the things Joe Scarborough never will. The foreign policy, peace through strength, is basically what Trump's foreign policy was. Whether Trump wants to admit it or not, it's true. Trump defends the Second Amendment, Reagan defends the Second Amendment. Trump defends pro-life, Reagan defended pro-life. No question about that. There's a lot of similarities between Trump and Reagan. Personality's not one of them. So what? Who cares? I wonder what Reagan would have said about climate change. I know what he would have said. I campaigned for the man in 76. I don't think Scarborough did. I campaigned for him again in 80. And I worked in his administration at some senior levels for eight years. He would have been appalled by it. Reagan tried to slash the Environmental Protection Agency. Trump did too. Reagan tried to abolish the Department of Education. He was stopped by the Senate Republicans who were in the majority thanks to his massive landslide in 1980. Trump promotes school choice as a way of dealing with it because he knows the Republicans won't abolish it either. Reagan shut down the federal government six times. Trump shut it down once, and significantly so. Reagan had much more in common with Trump than he ever had with either the Bushes or with Dick Cheney. Much more in common with Donald Trump than he ever would have with Chris Christie. Chris Sununu, Reagan spent his life trying to defeat Republicans like that. The ruling elite in the Republican Party in Washington hated Reagan. They tried to take him out with Iran-Contra. They wanted to impeach him. That's what happened to Reagan. Eight-year criminal investigation, Iran-Contra, where they're trying to take out Ronald Reagan. Another similarity Reagan had with Trump as the Democrats criminalized politics to try and destroy them. Reagan would have agreed with Trump when Trump created the Space Force. And I can go on and on. In fact, Reagan, Mr. Conservative, was a fantastic president. Donald Trump was far more conservative than George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, or Dick Cheney. George W. Bush never vetoed a single spending bill, let alone shut down the government. Of course. 
Reagan was a game changer, a game changing president. Trump was a game changing president. The Bushes, their presidencies were pointless, as I come to think about it, utterly pointless. So now on MSNBC, Joe Scarborough throws around Ronald Reagan's name. I'll be speaking at the Reagan Library. I'll be signing at the Reagan Library. I have no idea who's speaking for the Reagan Library or any other presidential library. But the letter that they put out, people can imply that it was talking about Donald Trump, but they can also imply that it was about Joe Biden and the Democrats. Certainly so. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. I want to remind you that George H.W. Bush, when he was running for president on Ronald Reagan's coattails, and he won on Ronald Reagan's coattails, distanced himself from Ronald Reagan. Kinder and gentler. Remember that? We're going to be kinder and gentler in this administration. And he went the way of the rhinos, and he was defeated. And we never won California again. And it was the Bush family that tried to stop Reagan. It was Karl Rove who tried to stop Reagan. It was Mitch McConnell who tried to stop Reagan. I lived through all this, ladies and gentlemen. These were hard-fought battles. If they had had their way, there'd be no Ronald Reagan. And we're here supposed to believe that a guy by the name of Joe Scarborough, a guy by the name of Chris Christie, a guy by the name of Chris Sununu, that they would have been all there for Reagan. They would have been on the Reagan uh, caravan. No way. They would have been trying to kneecap him and cripple him every step of the way. Give you an example. Okay, these guys don't like, they don't like Trump. Okay, who's the next in line is the conservative? A proven conservative. Let's just be honest. DeSantis. Proven conservative. So if you don't like Trump and you're these guys, why wouldn't you back DeSantis? They attack him too. Just as they attacked Reagan. They don't want DeSantis. They're looking at a Nikki Haley or a Chris Christie or somebody like that. Why? Because they're Bush light. That's why. And I don't say this to attack anyone. I'm just making a point. So now the rhino establishment Republicans on MSNBC and CNN 
They're now standing on the mantle of Reagan. And by the way, we have very conservative millionaires and billionaires. When they've passed away, they've created foundations. The MacArthur Foundation was founded by a very conservative multi-billionaire insurance magnate. The Pew Foundation. Sunoco, outside of Philly. A born-again Christian. He founded, as I said, Sunoco. Left multi-billions to his foundation, Pew. All left-wing. But they may hope you and MacArthur, you could say the same thing about the Ford Foundation, because these individuals know how to secrete themselves into these institutions and take them over. So don't hand me this library says this and this library says that, when the people they're named after aren't even here anymore. The bureaucrats that run the various libraries, they're not the president the libraries are named after. They're the bureaucrats who run the libraries, which are run effectively and overseen by the National Archives. So, this letter's put together. Who put it together? We don't know. Who at each library was behind it? We don't know. So why do we care? You and I, we're living in the moment. We know what's taking place. We know who's doing what. And Cheney tells us the greatest threat we face isn't the man destroying our economy, our court system, the Constitution, the law. Isn't the man destroying the American military, law enforcement, our currency? No, 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 no. It's Trump. Oh, okay. We'll take that seriously. Cheney. Cheney didn't support Reagan either. They thought he was a cowboy. They said he was stupid. They said this. They said that. Same thing. Different personality completely. Reagan from Trump. I can tell you. I know and I knew both men. Totally different. Both hated. All these clowns. They say, ah, we can't tolerate Trump. He's just, isn't it funny that they don't support DeSantis? They don't rally around DeSantis because they don't want DeSantis either. They don't want DeSantis. They want a Bush. They want a Nixon. That's what they want. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We're going to take some calls. Might be tough. I'll try and squeeze him in the last hour. Peter Navarro. Another guy being railroaded, he has to come on. I said, absolutely, he'll be on in hour three. Um, I hope some of these folks understand that they are part of history in many ways. You know, being rounded up the way he was, uh, rounded up in an effort to humiliate him. Um, 
he stood up to that January 6th committee, which has since destroyed about 65% of the material that they gathered to cover their tracks, to cover up what they were actually doing. It may seem hard to know today, but history will reveal this. We might be gone. The country might be gone. But there will be lessons learned. As there have been lessons learned about the fall of Athens, the fall of Rome. You look at what's going on in Israel today. The Marxist left in Israel, much like ours, extraordinarily violent. You ever hear of a country that is saying that the more power you give to an autocratic judiciary, the more you're promoting democracy? And the prime minister and the parties that are trying to wrench minimal power back from the judicial oligarchy and give it back to the parliament, their Knesset, and the people, they're said to be fascists. It it, it works this way, whether it's in Israel or the United States, because the media are corrupt. The entire ruling class is corrupt. And this is a huge problem in our country. A disastrous problem in this country. I talked about the Anti-Defamation League the other day, and I want to say again. The man who runs it, his name is Jonathan Greenblatt. He pushes critical race theory. He pushes transgenderism. He embraces anti-Semites who are part of the various Marxist movements and the civil rights Marxist movements. He thinks that he's God Almighty himself and determines the anti-Semites are. Now, we know who the anti-Semites are. We don't need uh, an interpreter who used to work for Obama as a radical left-wing kook. But he's destroyed that institution. There's not a single institution in America that Democrats do not destroy. That Democrats do not destroy. And now, having destroyed most corners of our culture, having destroyed the media, having destroyed education, having destroyed our sovereignty, having destroyed our economy, working on destroying our energy system, working on destroying our health care system, undermining our military, destroying local law enforcement. Now they have a, uh, a wind at their backs. You know, I think about the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. I got to thinking, you know, for most of its existence, it's been a corrupt organization. For most of its existence, the FBI has been a corrupt organization. J. Edgar Hoover, some of you might, might approve of him. I do not. Illegal wiretaps. Planting of evidence. Setting up people. Leaks to the media. J. Edgar Hoover worked for Franklin Roosevelt. 
in tawdry and horrible ways. J. Edgar Hoover worked for John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, tapping the phone of Martin Luther King. That doesn't stop people, apparently, from loving Democrats. The worst abuser of all, Lyndon Johnson, used the FBI to infiltrate the Goldwater campaign. Goldwater had a prominent staffer who was gay. Goldwater knew it, but Goldwater's really a remarkable man. And they leaked it in order to destroy the individual and the Goldwater campaign. Lyndon Johnson had the FBI at the Democrat convention in the old convention building in Atlantic City. Still one of my favorite towns. The FBI that was there to monitor the various civil rights groups that gathered there, including Martin Luther King's groups, and to monitor his own vice president who's running for president. They also tapped the phones of the various civil rights groups. The FBI. The FBI did the dirty work for John Kennedy in his many affairs. In an affair with an East German spy, the FBI hustled her out of the country very, very quickly, afraid that it would become public. The FBI worked for the Obama-Biden administration, trying to take out a duly elected president, planning information in collusion with the Democrat Party and the Biden administration, that the newly elected president colluded with Russia and Putin. They lied to the FISA court. They lied to low-level FBI agents who were having some difficulty understanding what it was that they were investigating Donald Trump for. They even suggested the 25th Amendment should be used once Donald Trump was elected to remove him. They triggered a criminal investigation of Donald Trump. They worked hand-in-glove with CNN, MSNBC, hand-in-glove with the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest. Leak after leak for which the reporters gave themselves Pulitzer Prizes. They planted a story about Donald Trump. Dossier. Graphic, repulsive story. And no matter how many times Donald Trump said it's not true, it's not true, it didn't matter. Federal Bureau of Investigation <clears throat> has been monitoring millions of Americans, perhaps you, and you don't even know it. Federal Bureau of Investigation was involved in the Biden administration's censorship operation, the most grotesque censorship operation in the history of the United States, at least since the Civil War. The FBI is rounding up pro-lifers who dare to protest in front of abortion clinics. Imagine that. Five of whom were found guilty of violating the FACE Act and are still in prison today. Just regular Americans who haven't done a damn thing. The FBI is rounding up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Trump supporters who protested peacefully. I'm speaking of those who were peaceful on January 6th. 
bringing them to heel in front of the Biden Justice Department and the Democrat Party and rhino Republican judges, the cabal in Washington, D.C. While letting Antifa and BLM protesters out the back door. Literally going into court and asking for leniency. The FBI tried to set up General Flynn. The FBI, with the help of the Public Integrity Ascension at the Department of Justice, destroyed Senator Ted Stevens, who had been a senator forever from the state of Alaska. They lied, withheld evidence. He had not used public funds to have work done on his house. But he lost re-election by a couple thousand votes because they leaked it all over the place. They lied. They took out a United States senator. This entire federal law enforcement operation needs to be completely changed and replaced with a a system of checks and balances that has integrity and transparency. The current FBI director is a liar. He's a dissembler. You can see it when he testifies. He says absolutely nothing. He lied about the war on the Catholic Church. Trying to convince you that it was just limited to Richmond, Virginia. It was well beyond Richmond, Virginia. Department of Justice and the FBI went after the Tea Party to try and destroy it. On behalf of Barack Obama's campaigns. Of course, Obama had nothing to do with it, of course. He was the beneficiary, that's all. Democrat Party is so hell-bent on using federal power that it's hired 87,000 new IRS agents. Watch out, America. You could be one of those so-called protesters on January 6th just by not complying dutifully with everything you're told to comply with, even if you try and you fail. Dick Cheney says Donald Trump's the greatest threat. The man who faces 91 charges in four different courtrooms, he's the great threat. The man who faces... Almost a thousand years of prison time. He's the great threat. But as I've said to you before many times, if it wasn't Donald Trump, it would be Ron DeSantis. Make no mistake about it. It wouldn't be Mike Pence. It wouldn't be Nikki Haley. It wouldn't be any of the others on the stage. No, not Vivek. It would be DeSantis. Because they fear that he would do to America what he did to Florida. And what he did to Florida is he broke the back of the ruling class in Florida. And he wanted to do the same in Washington. That's why all the other candidates, all the other movements are not rallying behind him to try and stop Trump. They don't want him. 
Not that that would work, mind you. I'm just explaining. They don't want him. They don't want any solid, proven, effective conservative. Period. As I said, they didn't want Reagan. They certainly didn't want Goldwater. Any conservatives who have who've actually broken through have had to do exactly that, break through. For the Democrat Party, Marxism now is the coin of the realm. In fact, if you're not a Marxist, not by declaration, but in practice, you don't have any chance of being the presidential nominee, the leader of the Democrats in the House, or the leader of the Democrats in the Senate. You don't have a shot. But in the Republican Party, if you're a conservative, history, modern history has shown us you pretty much don't have a shot. Reagan was a breakthrough. Trump, who did not campaign as a conservative, was not a movement conservative. It was a conservative by action. A conservative by action. He broke through. He wasn't supposed to. But he did. Who else broke through? Calvin Coolidge. He broke through because of the death of the president. That's it. There aren't any others. There aren't any others. That's it. There are not any others. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Boy, another Obama judge. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're like a bad rash, Mr. Producer. This time it's a U.S. federal judge in, uh, in Georgia. And he ruled that the state case in Georgia is a state case and it should not come to the federal courts. Now that judge twisted the law. The precedent is that if any material part of a case is federal in nature and not state in nature, then the case can be and should be for a number of reasons, including the supremacy clause, be heard in a federal court. So these judges bend over backwards. These are hack lawyers dressed up in black robes, called your honor. 
and um, bend over backwards to twist the law. Again, don't miss Sunday's show, please. The opening statement in particular with Judge Chunkin. That's what I address. That's who I address. And I think that's very important. Because she is the uh, the most radical of judges. You know, I just read this this federal district judge, Bates, who worked in the Bush administration, who was part of the special counsel uh, office, or independent counsel, under Ken Starr, I believe, appointed to the court. And uh, I read what he did in a case today, and it's similar to this guy, Tim Kelly. It was another uh, dummy. But they're not alone. And what they do and what these cases in Washington are wounding up is you have judges who are looking at the videos. They'll bring in 10 police officers. They lay on what's taken place, what took place on January 6th. Then here's the key. They look at the text messages of what people wrote and the words that you hear on the video. So when people are very passionate, they're very emotional, they say things like, we're going to take the country back, or whatever it is, provocative statements. That's being used against them. That's their motive, we're being told. Even though they didn't do anything remotely close to what they say in exercising their First Amendment right, even though they didn't do anything close to it. It's being used by the judges and the prosecution to give these people multiple year sentences. Now, if there wasn't video, this were 100 years ago, 50 years ago, and there weren't cell phones with texts and so forth, I strongly believe that these individuals would not be getting the kinds of sentences that they're getting. But because what they say are completely taken out of context, much of it is hyperbole, it doesn't matter. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I think about a lot of things during the break. 
this comparison ring up. There's other things that have been uh, nudging at me here. Reagan's position on foreign policy was completely different than the Republican establishment. Completely different than George Bush, who'd been part of that foreign policy ruling class. It was completely different than Nixon. It was completely different than Henry Kissinger. Reagan frequently criticized Kissinger in the 1976 primary in particular for the stance he took. Reagan attacked Kissinger for staying in Rhodesia, which is today Zimbabwe. And of course, he was called a racist for it. Reagan's foreign policy was nothing like the Bush foreign policy. It was nothing like the Nixon foreign policy. It was nothing like the Kissinger foreign policy. Reagan wanted to defeat the Soviet Union. He didn't want to have mutually assured destruction. Which was our policy, Democrat, Republican alike, after World War II. So Reagan broke that mold. I don't know what the hell Scarborough is talking about. He's an ignoramus. This history isn't even ancient history. I don't expect him to understand much ancient history, or even much significant early American history. But can't he even get the 1970s right? Apparently not. But Reagan didn't want to give away the Panama Canal. The Republicans did. Howard Baker and his ilk. And when he was running in 76, it was a dear friend of mine and a mentor, the great Senator Paul Laxalt, who stood on the floor of the Senate, really as Reagan's representative to the Senate, said no. But they gave it away. And Gerald Ford supported it, of course. Reagan didn't support the Republican establishment foreign policy. And for those of you who are uh, cut and run and Putin supporters, Reagan wasn't a hawk. Reagan was an American firster in the true sense of what that means. True sense of what that means. So... Well, in that sense, Trump and Reagan may not be identical, and there's nothing wrong with that. Both of their positions rejected the ruling class positions. Rejected it. I don't think Reagan would have supported the Iraq war. I don't think he would have. But there are other wars he would have supported. And he used throughout the country these satellite battles with with the Soviet Union in parts of Africa including Angola Central America Nicaragua El Salvador um, the Middle East certainly Afghanistan as well we armed the Northern Alliance among others to take out the Soviet installed government there. So Reagan would engage in these sorts of things. I heard, who did I hear? I forget who it is. But they talked about Ukraine. I think
think it was Brother Mike Lee, my dear friend. Mike Lee is a very, very close friend of mine in the family. But I think he said something to the effect, if we're not ready to actually go to war directly with the Russians, then we shouldn't be supporting Ukraine as a proxy war. And I got to thinking about that. See, I think for myself, even though these guys are my friends, we have healthy debate here. We don't try to destroy each other. Well, some of them I do, but then, you know, they're not conservative. Well, then that's a rejection of the Reagan doctrine. Reagan armed freedom fighting forces all over the all over the world. Places far, far away. Because the Russians don't attack the continental United States. So we armed forces in, as I said, Angola, armed forces in the Congo, we armed forces in other parts of Africa. He armed forces in Southeast Asia. He armed forces, of course, the Afghanistan, the uh, freedom fighters in Afghanistan. He supported, with surreptitious armed support, the freedom fighters in El Salvador and Nicaragua. And there's no question in my mind that he would have backed the Ukrainians against the Russians. No, no question in my mind. There's also no question in my mind that by now he would have armed up the country of Taiwan. You hear that, G? The country of Taiwan. To the teeth. There's simply no question in my mind about it. And then he would have strategically, much more closely and effectively than this administration, essentially encircled communist China with tighter military relationships and more support for military equipment with Japan, Australia, the Philippines, and South Korea. No question in my mind about it. And then I look at Donald Trump. Donald Trump met with the little bastard in uh, North Korea. And he was attacked for that. When Ronald Reagan met with Gorbachev, he was heralded for that. And it was good that he did. You have to have trust in these men. These men knew what they were doing. Trump knew what he was doing. Reagan knew what he was doing. Biden doesn't know what he's doing. Biden's busy. You know, you know who the biggest enemy to Biden is right now, Mr. Producer? Israel. Israel. Is the greatest enemy we have, according to Biden. Undermining that little country every step of the way. Trying to overthrow its elected government. Not a word about any of it from anybody. And look at this guy, Mike McCall, the, the chairman of the House, what the hell is it, Foreign Policy Committee or whatever it's called. And it's nothing personal. I know he's a Republican. I know he's from Texas. I know he's married into enormous wealth. Okay, great. Utterly useless. Utterly useless in facing down Iran and defending our ally Israel. Utterly useless, in my humble opinion. Then again, what do I know? But Reagan did not accept the Republican establishment's foreign policy. He did not accept the Republican establishment's economic policies. He wasn't going to roll over to the Democrats. They hated him. Many of you don't know this. 
the slashing of taxes in his first year of office, the biggest slashing of taxes really in American history, bar none and bar anybody else. It was so massive, it created economic growth for 25 years, for which Clinton took credit, of course. Our economy grew 25%, a quarter of its size when Reagan left office. A quarter of its size. Our military was as powerful as it has ever been, ever. He increased the military budget for several years in a row by a net 5%. Not 5%, a net 5%. So that's 5% over inflation. So take, take it today. 5% as an example with 7% inflation or whatever it is. So he would have increased it to 12%, whatever it took. Two of his first acts when he got elected as president was to eliminate regulatory controls on drilling for oil and gas. He removed them immediately. Immediately. Free market economics works. Conservatism works. And for those who say that Ronald Reagan would have traded with the enemy, like Joe Scarborough, these people have real medical issues when it comes to the failure of their brains to fully fully form. Reagan had a very, very robust export control regime in place. At the Commerce Department, at the State Department, he set up a bureau or committee, if you will, that had to approve many of these transactions. I know I was there. I saw it. Even some of the most lowly computer technology he refused to allow to be sold or manufactured overseas. So he was well aware who the enemy was. Well aware. And companies were not just free to do whatever they wanted in the Soviet Union or China or anything else. Those are enemy states. He knew it. Particularly back then, the Soviet Union. Our MERV technology was given away to the Communist Chinese by the Clinton administration with a major federal contractor. The Communist Chinese couldn't even get a missile off the ground. They couldn't even get a rocket off the ground. That's how backwards they were 25 years ago. So they tried, and Bill Clinton gave one of the major defense contractors, an export control ticket, where they went over to China and they showed the communist Chinese how to fix it. And that started the process. That's what started it all. I'm telling you all this because you keep hearing from Repubics, keep hearing from the media, you keep hearing from these people how great Ronald Reagan was. And yet they didn't really believe that. 
when he was running in 1976, and they didn't really believe it in 1980. He had seven or eight candidates running against him. All these rhinos, and the general, he had John Anderson of Illinois, a liberal Republican from, from the state of Illinois. He was backed by the media. Oh, they were pushing the hell out of him. You had a whole bunch of Republicans running. You had uh, Bob Dole. I can't remember. Oh, of course, George Bush. They, it was stop Reagan. Stop Reagan. One of the greatest presidents in American history was probably the most conservative in American history. So don't don't be fooled by the Scarboroughs and the Chris Christies. They have nothing in common with Reagan, substantively or otherwise. Zero. Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Well, obviously it's Friday. And starting Monday, the, the big expanse and introduction of the Democrat Party Hates America begins. Not formally, but it is laying the, the groundwork for what's going to happen starting on Next Friday. And that will be the one-on-one interview by Sean Hannity for the full hour of his program. And then from there, there'll be an extensive discussion of the book on Sunday, my Sunday show. And then the book is launched formally on Monday. And so we're literally days away. I've got incredible impact, or excuse me, uh, responses from individuals who've already taken a look at it and have read it, and they pretty much say the same thing. They have never read a more comprehensive and brutal takedown of the Democrat Party in their lives. They also say that the, the book is almost a reference book. It, it is encyclopedic, excuse me, my mouth broke. But it flows like a novel. It's all those things and more, America. And those of you who have pre-ordered, tens of thousands of you, you'll be the first ones to take a shot at this and see what we're talking about. And I bet you're going to feel the same way. And we're going to use so many of the pieces of information, examples, evidence, history, philosophy, current events that are in this book to try and save our country. 
Maybe we only have one last shot. So I would encourage you to go to Amazon.com and grab your 40% off first edition copy. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Peter Navarro will be with us in about 20 minutes. Chapter 6, We're on the Nuclear Family. The Democrat Party hates America. In the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx declared abolition of the family. Even the most radical flare-up at this infamous proposal of the communists. On what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family, based? On capital. On private gain. In its completely developed form, the family exists among the bourgeoisie, you know, the upper classes. But this state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family among the proletariats, the masses, and in public prostitution. The bourgeois family will vanish with the vanishing of capital. Do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime we plead guilty. But, you will say, we destroy the most hallowed of relations when we replace home education by social It's the Communist Manifesto. Marx specifically drilled down on the essential necessity to replace parental care, love, nurturing, teaching, and moral guidance with the priorities of the egalitarianism and and communality of the state. Fair to surrender your children to the will and propaganda of the state is to demonstrate your allegiance to, or worse, participation in the oppressor bourgeoisie status quo. Moreover, you care not about your children, but about the perpetuation of the bourgeoisie and capitalism, for which your children are trained to be soldiers. Marx wrote, quote, And your education, is that not also social, and determined by the social conditions under which you educate, but the intervention direct and indirect of society, means of schools, etc.? The communists have not invented the intervention in society and education, They do but seek to alter the character of the intervention and to rescue education from the influence of the ruling class, that is, you folks. The bourgeois claptrap about the family and education, he wrote, about the hallowed correlation of parent and child, becomes all the more disgusting by the action of modern industry. All family ties among the proletarians are torn asunder, and their children transformed into simple articles of commerce and instruments of labor. Now you know why the nuclear family is under attack. Has anybody ever read this to you but me? In his book Capital, Marx pronounced as silly any absorbing of the family since it is developed through historical stages. Thus Marx advocated for the communal education of children. Richard Weikert, a professor of history at California State University, explained in his essay Marx, Engels, and the Abolition of the Family that Marx's relationship with his children does not seem at all consistent with a desire to community-raise children. He greatly enjoyed playing and romping with them and was extremely solicitous for their welfare. Part of the reason for his 
uh, financial problems was his alacrity to spend beyond his income to provide various amenities for his children, including private tutoring and languages, music and drama. He asked Engels to take over fatherly responsibilities toward his children after he died. Sometimes Marx, the father, intervened in his daughter's lives in ways that seemed to contradict his role as a revolutionary, that is, the abolisher of families and liberator of children. When Paul Lafarge was courting his daughter, Lara, he warned Lafarge to keep his distance for a time and demanded that he prove he could financially support a wife. He effectively blocked Eleanor's relationship with, peop- with uh, a Prosper Lagare and refused to recognize their engagement despite her pleading. He certainly was not prepared to allow his own daughters to live in a complete sexual liberty. Marx's unashamed hypocrisy, I write, is consistent with autocrats of all stripes. They cannot and will not live the life they brutally impose on others. For example, the Obamas live like royalty, surrounded by luxury, wealth, and fame, sent their daughters to an expensive, tony private school, yet still preach contempt for America and spew Marxist propaganda. John Kerry, Biden's so-called U.S. Special Envoy for, for Climate, flies private military and commercial flights endlessly around the world, preaching the gospel of green energy. In economic degrowth, as the multimillionaire spews tremendous amounts of carbon in the atmosphere, as his contribution of fighting the so-called existential threat of climate change. And of course, squad members, Cory Bush, Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and Jamal Bowman, while preaching the defending of police, excuse me, the defunding of police, has spent liberally on private security to protect themselves. And the list goes on. Not surprisingly, the Democrat Party benefits politically from the breakup of the nuclear family. And it's war on the family, the economy, the culture, and society is purposeful and malignant. For example, in the Washington Examiner, commentator, editor, Con Carroll explains in his article, no one benefits more from the destruction of the American family than the Democrat Party. Says the good news for Democrats is that the number of unmarried women is growing every year. From the earliest census up through 1950, roughly 80% of households were led by a married couple. By 2000, that percentage had fallen to 52%. And by 2010, for the first time in the nation's history, most households did not include a married couple. Marriage has only continued to decline since then. The destruction of the nuclear family may be, the, may be great for the Democrats, but it has a disastrous effect on children. Now, Carroll concludes that until we find a solution for our nation's marriage crisis, the family will continue to fall apart. Also, the Democrat Party will win more elections. Unmarried women without children have been moving toward the Democratic Party for several years, he writes. But the, excuse me, not him, another gentleman in a moment. But the 2022 midterms may have been their electoral coming out party as they proved the chief break on the predicted Republican wave, writes Joel Kotkin, Executive Director of the Urban Reform Institute and Professor Samuel J. Adams of Sarah Lawrence College in Real Clear Investigation. They explain in their article titled The Rise of the Single Woke and Young Democratic Female that while married men and women, as well as unmarried men, broke for the GOP, CNN exit polls found that 68% of unmarried women vote for Democrats. Last time I mentioned this, it was used on uh, a cable network. They plugged it right out of my show here. 
Kotkin and Abrams point out that the Supreme Court's August 2022 decision overturning Roe v. Wade was certainly a special factor in the midterms. But a longer-term trend show, longer-term trends, that single childless women are joining African-Americans as the Democrats' most reliable supporters. Their power is growing thanks to the demographic wins. The number of never-married women has grown from about 20% in 1950 30% in 2022, while the percentage of married women has declined from almost 70% in 1950 to under 50% today. Overall, the percentage of married households with children has declined from 37% in 1976 to 21% today. That's it. Therefore, never married single women, especially childless single women, I write, are of enormous political benefit to the Democrat Party and its future electoral success. Thus, Biden and the party are acutely focused on catering to this demographic. And abortion is the key appeal, according to former Speaker Nancy Pelosi herself. As the Washington Examiner reported on July 2023, speaking on MSNBC's Inside with Jim Psaki, Pelosi homed in on abortion one year after the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Pelosi and the Democrats have seen success by centering their campaigns around pro-abortion talking points, which she attributed to helping the party avoid disaster in 2022 midterm. Everyone said we're going to lose 30, 40 seats, and so more on this topic later in the chapter, I write, but Kotkin and Abrams observed that soccer moms are giving way to single woke females. The new SWFs is one of the most potent voting blocks in American politics. This also explains why Biden transitioned from a so-called moderate on the issue of abortion to the most radical president ever on the subject. No longer does he or the Democrat Party believe that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. That mantra is never to be uttered again. In fact, as Corkin and Abrams explain, the rise of single white females is one of the greatest untold stories of American politics. Distinct from divorced women or widows, these largely Gen Z and millennial voters share a sense of collective identity and progressive ideology that sets them apart from older women. More recently, they write, anti-family attitudes have become more pronounced, explained Kotkin and Abrams. Queer studies, often advocate replacing the nuclear family with some form of collectivized childbearing. Progressive groups like Black Lives Matter made their opposition to the nuclear family a part of their basic original platform, even though evidence shows family breakdown has hurt African-American boys most of all. In addition to benefiting from the decline in marriage and the dismantling of the family, the Democrat Party has made clear that it intends to subjugate children, the younger the better, to the ideological and political purposes of their party. In fact, they brazenly say so. This is just a couple pages out of the book. I tackle everything. Everything imaginable in this book. And I want to encourage you. I've given you enough little pieces. You know, you go into these stores sometimes, they give you that little plastic spoon, Mr. Producer. You know, there's 45 different types of flavors of ice cream or something. Sometimes it's pink. Sometimes, can I taste that? Well, sure, can I taste that? Oh, yes. Taste that one there? That's what we've been doing the last 60 days. Now it's time to order. A nice, big waffle cone with a double scoop of what you like. And the double scoop here 
is the book, The Democrat Party Hates America. We are launching it very, very soon. Here we are in the bottom of the ninth. Grab your copies on Amazon.com. Get it at the 40% discount. Get the first edition because they won't last for long. I just know when this book is released, it will fire up the charts to the top. Thanks to you, not me. But just a suggestion. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back, America. We have with us Peter Navarro, a good friend, uh, who unfortunately is facing the wrath of uh, this regime. And Peter Navarro, tell the American people what happened and tell why it's important to the whole country, my friend. Honored to be with the great one, sir. Um, this, um, this case uh, is a landmark case. It's going to be a historical case. I, I think it'll get to the Supreme Court. Mark, you were in the Department of Justice for, for uh, a number of years. Um, here's the issue as it would be framed by the Supreme Court. Um, can the legislative branch, the, the U.S. Congress in particular, compel a white senior White House advisor and alter ego of the president to testify before Congress. Now, within the Department of Justice, you may have seen these memos, because there's plenty of them, for over 50 years, the Department of Justice says, no, you can't do that. And presidents since George Washington have exerted executive privilege. And so that's what's at stake here. And executive privilege is important because, as the Supreme Court has ruled, and OLC in the Department of Justice has said, it's important for confidential decision-making to take place in the White House. And at, at the root of that, Mark, is the constitutional separation of powers between the legislative and executive branches. So that's what this case is about. And what's unique about this, Mark, is I am literally the first senior White House advisor in the history of our republic to be charged with this alleged crime. And what, what it symbolizes to me and, and I hope to your listeners is that it's the poster child for the weaponization, the partisan weaponization of the House and the Department of Justice by the Biden regime and the Democrats uh, for use to punish political rivals. So I'm, I'm, I'm standing tall on this. I'm standing on, uh, on principle. We lost the case at, uh, at, the, uh, at the district court. But what we did was a beautiful job in laying the groundwork for the appeals process. And what was so interesting, Mark, so interesting to me uh, going in, because I've never gone through this stuff before. It's, it's like mm. expensive. It's grueling. It's like mm. this judge, I go in, I've got eight different defenses possible. Who's the judge? Including... I, I don't want to. I don't want to criticize the judge. Okay, I'll look it up. He, 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 I'm at Meta. Okay, uh, um, I know who he the is. Point, cause, cause he did what he believed was right. But one of the things he did believe, which is interesting, and he said it in court, is he believed that I believed I was doing the right thing. Okay, which is huge in and of itself for the appeal. But the but the point I want to make here is, and, and for anybody who's got to ever go to court, it's like I had. Eight possible defenses 
including the most important one on executive privilege. By the time I got through the case, went to the jury, I had none. I had been stripped, stripped of that before I even got to the jury. So by the time I got to the jury, it, it was a foregone conclusion pro forma. We had one last offense. And the worst part of that was the prosecution played dirty the whole time because they literally, Mark, <laughs> they literally gave the same opening statement that they gave in the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys trial as if this were about January 6th, mm-hmm. when in fact it was not about January 6th at all. It was about a contempt of Congress charge. So this case, if look, if, if, this does, if this is not overturned on appeal and go to the Supreme Court, settle the law on this issue, Mark, executive privilege, as it was conceived by George Washington and, and embodied in the Constitution, is dead. And that's bad for this country. And, di- and didn't they, Peter Navarro, really, they were trying to go through the back door to violate separation of powers and executive privilege by going after one of Trump's top staffers. Yeah. So they were trying to go yeah. through the back door, get the information, get what was discussed yeah. uh, by going after you. And it's a committee of Congress. It's not even a, a, a legal case that's taking place with somebody's liberty other than your own, but somebody else's liberty at stake. There are two years of prison time, Mark, to be clear. And, and look, um, here's the way the constitutional separation of powers is supposed to work. The third branch is the judicial branch. The judicial branch has the power to, to investigate for criminal purposes to punish. Okay? Legislative branch doesn't have that. All they're supposed to do is to be able to gather information to help them change laws, period, full stop. From the get-go, that friggin' J6 committee was a partisan committee consisting of seven Democrats, every one of whom had led the, the first two impeachments of President Trump, and then the two rogue rhinos, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who hated Trump and wanted to take him down. And from the get-go, Mark, from the get-go, that committee was trying to build a criminal case against Trump. And you can't make this up, Mark. The day I went in there for, for the first day of court, in the very next courtroom, Trump's defense team was in there processing the indictment. All right, I want to carry over Peter Navarro. It's a very important discussion. You're listening to Peter Navarro, who was uh, charged and in, in the uh, and in what is the Washington D.C. Uh, judicial system was uh, found guilty. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, with Peter Navarro, Peter Navarro, um, remind people of how you were initially arrested and how they tried to humiliate you. The cameras were there because you're standing up for your constitutional rights. You didn't commit any violent acts. You didn't. You didn't do anything of that sort. You're just saying, hey, look, I interpret the Constitution from your perspective, of course, the right way, and I agree with you. How did they arrest you? Fascinating story. Um, on June 1st, I called Elizabeth Alloy, uh, sent her a, a lengthy email, and told her, hey, uh, look, please call my lawyer. Please contact President Trump. I'm trying to work this out in between a rock and a hard place. Um, Who is that? It's not black privilege in a way. Elizabeth Alloy. She was the person in charge of the case. She was one of the prosecuting attorneys right. in the trial. Okay. She stonewalled the whole thing. Never called my attorney, which was prosecutorial misconduct. Never got in touch with Trump. I talked to the FBI agent who had served me with a subpoena twice for more than 20 minutes. I said, hey, you know, and I'm right, I live right across the street from the FBI, Mark. Literally. I can see yeah. it right now as I'm doing the thing. I said, hey, look, whatever you need, just just let me know, right? It, it's crickets from now. I go I go out uh, with, with my my uh, my significant other, uh, my, my, my beautiful fiance, love her dearly. We go out there, and um, we're getting ready to go to Nashville to do Huckabee show. And I, I get in the gangway, and five armed FBI agents descend on me. They put me in handcuffs. I wind up in the in the basement of the D.C. jail, um, in leg irons, and strip searched in the same cell. And they were fond of telling me as, as John Hinckley Jr. And it was just so. It was like I got a lot of kind common with President Trump. But you know, like the, the analogy there is, they went after him in the dead of night at Mar-a-Lago. It's crazy stuff. And, and so began my journey. And I'd be remiss in letting your listeners know. I mean, what they, this is part of the lawfare they're waging against us, weaponizing the Justice Department. And even they can't put us in prison, they want to bankrupt us. I'm already, Mark, think about this now. This is a misdemeanor, okay? Yeah, you know, it has two years imprisonment, but it's a misdemeanor. I'm already in over $500,000. Good God. And because I'm going to appeal this. And, and it's going to be another million dollars. And you add that up across people like Mike Flynn and John Eastman and Jeff Clark. I mean, it's it's a lot of money. So I have a defense fund. It's defendpeter.com. Defendpeter.com. If anybody out there who want to fight this madness, help a brother out. But I'm standing up tall, strong, for an important constitutional Principle, and we cannot let these bastards take our constitution down mm-hmm. and take Donald Trump down. Can't happen, sir. No, I want to thank you. Uh, I know it seems uh, very lonely out there, but you, there are many tens of millions of people who understand this, and uh, they needed to hear from you. 
It's defendpeter.com, defendpeter.com. Let's help him out, folks. All he wants is the ability to fight in court. Um, he's never lifted a finger against anybody, didn't break any government property, didn't even go into a government prep building without uh, authorization. He raised constitutional objections to this committee, this January 6th Rump Committee. And and the other thing, Peter, is it's not like they they held everybody in contempt. They held certain people in contempt. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about this. Among other things, I'm the first guy that ever got charged. There were two other folks, but, but one of them, a dear friend, Dan Scavino. I, I love the guy. I served with him for, for years in the White House. And Mark Meadows, a former chief of staff. Now, the three of us were charged with contempt. We all engage in the same alleged behavior in failing to comply with their subpoena. But I'm the only guy they picked out and picked on. And that was like, it was a poster child of selective prosecution. But the judge ruled that one out and wouldn't allow us to do the discovery we needed to address any concerns he had, although we had what you and I call would call a colorable claim. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. So, I, I look, this case is already a landmark. And, you know, I mean, look, it go down my tombstone. The only guy who ever got charged for an alleged crime that the Department of Justice itself said wasn't a crime. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. Democracy uh, rests in peace. Justice rests in peace. I tell you. Nuts. When when is when is this judge going to sentence? Do you know? Um, yes, uh, January, and then um, uh, you know, we hope he'll let us stay out on bail while we're able to go through the appeals process. Um, and look, this, as I said earlier, my my legal team is is just they're they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're the guys who are in charge. Um, are the finest legal scholars on this whole issue of executive privilege and the interplay between the legislative and executive branches. And what we've done, Mark, beautifully during the course of the trial is we've lost and let them whittle away defense after offense. Defense, uh, we've been able to um, set basically the strongest possible appeal. I'll tell you one other thing that's so unique about this. And this is why I've already got a victory in this case, and it's a big one, Mark, a big one. The judge ruled that executive privilege properly asserted insulates people like me from testifying for Congress. So going forward, he's basically set law at least the district level that says I was in the right. Where he had a quarrel with me, was the argument that somehow the privilege had been, hadn't been properly invoked, which was, I mean, we had an evidentiary hearing, Mark. We had five phone calls with the president, a personal visit to Mar-a-Lago, countless emails and texts and phone calls with his aides, and he came away saying, well, I don't know, that's not, not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. So point is, the other thing that the judge did beautifully in terms of helping us with the appeal is he repeatedly noted that there were many open questions, which is a code word for a case of first impressions. There's so many. Is the privilege presumptive, Mark? I mean, Mm -hmm. if if the President Trump asserted the privilege for every single senior aide, 
Why doesn't that include me? How can that possibly be? When, in fact, Mm -hmm. he he asserted it for me as well. So we're going to win this appeal. But the point is that this case is not about Peter Navarro. The United States v. Peter Navarro is about the constitutional separation of powers and the importance of executive privilege and executive decision-making. And if I win, the country wins, the Constitution wins, and this country wins. All right, brother. God bless you. We want to have you back. God bless you, when sir. You, think, I, you know, you, yeah. you, you get this better than anybody because you've been in the belly of that beast. And as yeah. I stand here in my uh, my apartment, I look right at the FBI and across the street at the building. And it's kind of ironic that the two people trying to put me in prison I can see from my front door. Unbelievable. All right, brother. DefendPeter.com. That's the site, folks. Let's help him out. DefendPeter.com. And you guys, take care of yourself. God bless you, Peter. Mm-hmm. You stay strong, too, brother. All right. Take care of yourself. Just terrible. It's very upsetting, very frustrating. Why don't we take a call here? Let's take a call from Jeff, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Serious satellite, and we are serious here. Jeff, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark. I'm doing fine, Mark. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. I want to thank you for all you do for this country, and I wanted to bring up a couple uh, issues. First of all, I've got your book ordered. I can't wait till it shows up. And But my question, first question, Thank you. is how come you didn't write this sooner? It took me 16 months to write it. I, I write a book, you know, when I finish this book, and then the next few months, I start the next one. Not because I'm, I'm uh, on a hamster wheel here. I've just got a lot of thoughts, a lot of beliefs, and so forth and so on. So I thought it was very important to lay the foundation on what I call American Marxism, which has had an enormous impact, I think, on our society, certainly among uh, people who love this country. It's laid the foundation. And so now it's time to really uh, not only expose the Democrat Party, but do everything we can legitimately and legally to destroy it. Because it's taken all these principles and it has embraced them, it's digested them, and now it is spreading them like a cancer in the body politic. And when you read this, you'll see what, I'm, what I mean and, and what I'm getting at here. But I want to thank you very much, my friend, Jeff, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hope the rest of you jump in, too. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals slaps Biden administration for contact with social media companies. The U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld an injunction. Remember that great ruling in the Western District of Louisiana? Restricting how the government can communicate with social media companies, which the Biden administration's warns, of course, will stymie efforts, blah, blah, blah. The panel of judges, all GOP nominees, you never hear them write that about Democrats, do you? Say that the administration's efforts to flag what is considered to be false and harmful content about COVID, the 2020 election and other topics that violated the social media company's policies likely amounted to a violation of the First Amendment. The court found that the Biden administration officials coerced and threatened social media companies to take down content. To quote from the panel, The officials have engaged in a broad pressure campaign designed to coerce social media companies into suppressing speakers, viewpoints, content disfavored by the government, 
The harms that radiate from such conduct extend far beyond just the plaintiffs. It impacts every social media user. Wow. That's important. Now, the way it's written up by the media is, you know, the Republicans wanted this. It's a Republican panel. It's a Republican this. This is the problem with the media today. As I keep saying, we don't have a free press. We have a press that's free to lie. That's a big difference. But whatever they say doesn't matter. All that is is static. Tonight, I'm here to tell you that America has gotten a good decision out of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals only, only if you believe in the First Amendment and free speech. If you don't, you're going to be very upset. We go to America every Friday in honor of you. Here we go.
folks, don't forget a great life, liberty, and live in this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Now, look, if you're going to be watching football, go to your DVR now, set the recording. That way you can see both, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Set it forever. Also, please go to Amazon.com, grab your copy before it's too late. 40% 40% off first edition. We salute our armed forces, police officers, fighter fighters, emergency personnel, our wonderful truckers and the freedom fighters all over the world. Good night, Spritey, and good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi and Smokey. Good night, Zelda and Gigi. Good night, Indy Patton, Rory. Good night, Barney and Marty. And now, good night, Cairo. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. Good night, Joe. And America, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> 